everyone and thank you for joining me as we take a look at the art of handwriting analysis. Now you might read the title of this podcast, Letters, Lies and Ransoms, and you would be right in thinking that we're going to delve into some rather intriguing criminal cases. But actually, it's much more than that. What I want to do is take a general approach and consider how we write, what affects the way we write, and whether we can mask it. Let me start by telling you about the Zodiac Killer, or simply Zodiac. It's the pseudonym of an unidentified American serial killer who operated in Northern California from around the 1960s to, say, the early 70s. The killer originated the name in a series of taunting letters and cards sent to the local Bay Area press. The letters included four cryptograms, or ciphers as they're called, and of the four cryptograms sent, only one has ever been definitively solved. Now here, we have an example of someone using symbols in the evidence that they've left behind. But what I find fascinating is that the symbols were accompanied by handwritten text. Not only was the author able to write and remain undetected, but they turned the whole exercise into one big puzzle to solve. That, in essence, is how to view handwriting analysis. You need to carefully examine every line, every inflection, look at existing text if possible, and join the dots as such. Every person's handwriting is unique, and it's personalised. Handwriting is thought to be difficult to disguise or forge, but analysis can provide a useful tool in forensics in excluding persons when determining a match between known material. In the podcast I recorded right before this one, in fact, entitled Wounds and Weapons, I spoke about the 1932 abduction of 20-month-old son of aviator Charles Lindbergh from his home in New Jersey, in the US. Now, on May the 12th, his body was discovered nearby the house. In 1934... Bruno Richard Hauptmann was arrested and found guilty of first-degree murder. He was executed in the electric chair in 1936. Impression evidence from a number of tools helped link the suspect to the crime. But analysis of the handwriting in many of the ransom notes left, along with document analysis of samples, helped to secure Hauptmann's conviction. It wasn't until 1999 that the US Court of Appeals determined that handwriting analysis qualified as a form of expert testimony. So what is document analysis? Well, it's the examination and comparison of question documents with known material. Experts ultimately establish the authenticity of the documents and detect any changes, erasures or obliterations that may have occurred. Have a think for a moment about what kinds of documents you think might get routinely questioned. Well, how about some of these? Checks, although that's a fairly obvious one. Certificates. You never know when someone might want to lie about their qualifications. In fact, here's an interesting t statistic rather for you. In January 2018, uh, the BBC's File on Four programme investigated and discovered that more than 3,000 fake qualifications were sold to UK-based buyers in a single company in 2013 and 2014. 
with one British buyer spending nearly half a million pounds on fake documents, such as master's degrees and doctorates. So what other documents? Well, wills, naturally, in case one suspects foul play, or some sneaky edits that might have been made. Passports, licences, lottery tickets. Yep, that's right. When you can turn a £2 coin into a £20 million jackpot, it's not hard to imagine someone trying to cheat the system. Money, as we know, gets faked. Letters, contracts, receipts. And if we truly think forensically, then suicide notes. So let's talk about the fundamentals of handwriting analysis. Handwriting exhibits natural variation due to several factors. The writing instrument used, the mood of the person writing, the age, whether they're on drugs or not, fatigue and speed, they can all contribute to the difference that we notice in our own handwriting. Despite minor variations, each person has a unique style. Slant. Curl and height can all distinguish our identity. Adults show slight variation because the characters are formed as a result of habit. John Bonet uh, Patricia Ramsey was an American child beauty queen who was killed in her family home in Colorado. A lengthy handwritten ransom note was found in the house, and John Ramsey found his daughter's body um, in the basement of their house at about roughly about eight hours after she was reported missing. She had sustained a broken skull from a blow to the head and had been strangled. The official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. Now this case continues to generate nationwide public and media interest. Paper from the mother's notebook and letters matched the handwriting on the ransom note. Interestingly, Fleet White, a family friend, present when the body was discovered, had this to say. The people running the investigation had long ago decided against filing charges in the case. Their motivation for presenting the case to a grand jury had little or nothing to do with obtaining new evidence, grilling reluctant witnesses or returning an indictment, and everything to do with sealing away facts, circumstances and evidence gathered in the investigation in a grand jury transcript. I should say now that this is technically an ongoing unsolved murder case and I'm in no way advocating for anyone's innocence or guilt. I'm simply presenting the evidence. William George Herons was a convicted American serial killer who confessed to three murders in 1946. Herons was called the Lipstick Killer after a notorious message scrawled in lipstick at a crime scene. At the time of his death, Herons was reputedly Chicago's longest-serving prisoner, having spent 65 years in prison. Even from his lipstick scrawlings, police were able to use handwriting analysis to catch their suspect. Then there's the infamous Jack the Ripper letters. The method of victim dismemberment suggested that Jack was a medical professional. But the handwriting couldn't be matched to anyone, however. If anyone fancies a challenge who's listening to this podcast, then have a go at this. Just find a scrap piece of paper and write down the following sentence. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. I mean, that famous sentence, that rather it's rather handy for us right now, has every letter in it. Fold that paper over so that your written statement is now hidden. 
and have a go at writing out the exact same sentence, but try to change your handwriting style. Remember, if you're trying to forge something, you need to make it look realistic at least, so don't use excessively small or large letters, for example. And try doing this a couple of times. Then, pass your samples to someone else to examine and ask them how many that they think you yourself actually wrote. And here's the thing, if they don't say all of them, then clearly you have the ability somehow to mask your handwriting well enough. Handwriting experts examine 12 major categories of exemplars. They look for letter form, which includes the shape of letters, curve of letters, the angle or the slant of a letter, the proportional size of letters, and the use and appearance of connecting lines between the letters, as in like, are the I's dotted and the T's crossed? They'll look at line form, which considers the smoothness of the letters and the darkness of the lines on the upward compared to the downward stroke. Line form is influenced by speed and pressure and occasionally the choice of writing utensil. Formatting is another primary focus and that includes the spacing between the letters, the spacing between words and lines and the placement of words on a line and margins. I wonder if you did indeed try my challenge and pass your handwritten samples to other people to look at, in which case you might need it to have paused this podcast. I'm curious, did they get any of them right? Did they forensically examine the documents? Well, let's talk about the characteristics that actual forensic experts would look for. So line quality. Do the letters flow or were they erratic or shaky? Spacing. Are the letters equally spaced or crowded? Size consistency. Is the ratio of height to width consistent or not? Is the writing continuous or has the pen been lifted? Do we have connected letters, so are capitals and lowercase letters connected? Does the letter begin and end fully? Is it cursive and printed? What is the style of the lettering? And pen pressure. Is it equal or not when looking at upward and downward strokes? Consider the slants. Is there a slant to the left or right or is it quite variable? And then what about line habits? Is the text on the line? Is it above it or below the line? Are there any fancy curls or loops in the letters? And finally, the placement of the crosses on the T's and the dots on the I's. Are they correct or are they misplaced? When examining samples, the examiners tend to follow this theory. Two writings are the product of one person if the similarities are unique and there are no fundamental, unexplainable differences. There are three basic steps in the process of analysing a handwritten sample. The question document and standards or exemplars are examined and detectable characteristics are recorded. So a sample should really be obtained without letting the person know uh, for what purpose, if possible. Characteristics of the questioned item are then compared with a known standard. And then finally, experts determine which characteristics are valuable for drawing a conclusion about the authenticity and authorship of the question document. In many of the podcasts that I've recorded, I've spoken about the significance placed upon different types of forensic evidence. 
Even in the title of this one, I use the words the art of, suggesting, perhaps, a reliance on someone being able to pick up on the minutiae, i.e. the finer details. Nowadays, though, technology is proving to be quite an invaluable resource, adding that extra layer of credibility. Initial comparisons are done with the naked eye, a handheld lens or a microscope, but then infrared spectroscopy can then be used to determine if more than one kind of ink was used on a document, for example. Different inks would have different light reflections. Biometric signature pads that I'm sure many of us have used to sign for important things are designed for identity authentication. The pad recognises the signature based on speed, pressure and rhythm of signing one's name. Computer analysis of handwriting, as opposed to just by using the naked eye, is faster and it's more objective. The pen pressure can be objectively analysed by shading in pixels. In fact, a forensic information system for handwriting database, or FISH as it's shortened for, is maintained and used by the Secret Service themselves. So the next time that you're looking at an important document, and you happen to see someone's handwriting on it, Perhaps take a closer look. Who knows what you might spot. On that note, I want to thank you all for listening.